Welcome to the 12th episode of A Politic. And we are in continuing our discussion of the sixth principle of progressivism. And we're hoping that progressive policies and progressive thinking will help transform our society in a more empowering direction so that more and more people can participate and feel that they have a meaningful stake in our society. And the sixth principle, again, was increases equity and opportunity for those who have been historically oppressed, particularly the African-Americans, Latinos, and Native Americans, and women. So we want to start this discussion with the fact that we've been celebrating Juneteenth earlier this year on June 19th, and that represents an interesting situation where June 19th, 1865, was the declaration that allowed the slaves in Texas and the remote areas of the Western Confederacy to be alerted to the fact that they had actually been freed on January 1st, 1863. So this misinformation that was finally corrected due to covering up the Emancipation Proclamation. That's understandable that it was done on one hand, but that just shows the evil that people did not want to inform the slaves of the fact that they had been freed. So now we are celebrating Juneteenth as though this is a uh, special holiday, and it is, but really it's a celebration of misinformation and correction and clarification. So what do you say about that, Steve? This is just an example of a little bit of knowledge going uh, a long way and being a very powerful tool. The fact that this information was not disseminated fully to the African-American population was just another way of continuing control of the the population so that uh, the reality of the, the end of the Civil War was was deferred in, in terms of a lot of people's understanding of what had taken place. Well, so now we're going to focus on the period between 1865 and 1965. And we want to look at the fact that, yes, there were three amendments passed, 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments. The uh, attempt was made to legalize the participation of blacks and former slaves in the society. And there were federal troops stationed throughout the South, which may not have been the best way of enforcing the victory of the Union uh, and attempts to bring the country back together but there were obvious needs to protect the former slaves and to make it clear to the white population of the South that we had to have a 
change and it was going to be drastic. Basically, slavery was eliminated. And we talked about the economic effects of slavery yesterday. There were significant effects, and it does affect both the North and the South, as you said, Steve. But black people really never secured ownership of much land in the South. And mainly, they became sharecroppers. And this was an important failing of the system. So then we go into the Ku Klux Klan beginning. Soon after the Civil War, they were intimidating black people, especially keeping them from voting and gaining political power, which is directly relevant to today, of course, because many, many black people still do not feel like they have a reason to vote because the system has not changed enough and I was surprised that more than 2,000 black people, particularly men, were lynched in the, United, in the United States, not just the South, but throughout the country between 1865 and 1877. So what would you say about all that, Steve? Well, again, this is just the ebb and flow of history. Uh, the Confederacy did not prevail in its vision of uh, the kind of society they wanted to nurture. And so they fell back on what it was they to do to use the mechanics of legal process to create a society that kept the races, as they said later in, in the evolution of our society, separate but equal. And the whole idea of separate but equal really did not resonate with the principles and the sense of what our Constitution wanted to achieve in creating a United States of America. And this, and we're still uh, fighting this fight, uh, if I may use that phrase, to realize the promise of what the founders put in place almost 250 years ago. Well... That's true, and we have to move on historically. The presidential election of 1876 did not have a clear winner in the Electoral College, and the vote in several states was disputed. Does that sound familiar? Well, yes, it does. Uh, the, the commission uh, disputed the electoral votes, and a one-vote majority to the Republican governor of Ohio, who was Rutherford B. Hayes at the time. But before Congress could accept those results, the pro-segregationist party at the time, which were Democrats, made Governor Hayes agree to withdraw federal troops from the South in, to, in order to get their support. So it was sort of like push-pull. There was movement forward, but then at the same time, there was redress backward. And so we, it that really set the template for the next hundred years. At, at every point in the evolution of uh, equity in our society, there would be a, a walking towards that, that better horizon, but for every two steps forward, there was always one step back. And um, the history of the 20th century is a perfect example of that history. Really, and I don't want to go any farther without mentioning that 
the impeachment of Andrew Johnson had a lot to do with the fact that Andrew Johnson did not cooperate with the attempts of the federal government to bring about a um, reality of reconstruction. So I just want to mention that. We may deal with that as a show later on down the line. The, uh, the impeachment was March 2nd and 3rd of 1868, so we may mention that at some point on down the line. But uh, yeah, you're, you're basically experiencing the end of Reconstruction and Jim Crow came along and that lasted for about 90 years. So then the Supreme Court was instrumental in reinforcing segregation in the late 19th century. And it kept, the Supreme Court kept Congress from enforcing the 14th Amendment, which was equal protection under the law, and forbade the outlawing of the Ku Klux Klan in declaring um, segregation legal in education. So then we get- that, At that point though, Bill, that's exactly the heart of the principle of separate but equal. They would promote that, but when you actually got on the ground and went into the segregated school houses themselves, you could see they weren't equal. And that was, again, the manner in which the control of the white population uh, had its, uh, its way with the, the recently freed African Americans. And so it was sort of, again, the idea of one step forward, two steps back. And we're still, we're still in that particular mindset. Uh, it's yeah. better than it was, but it, we, haven't, we haven't reached nirvana yet on that one. Right. Well, we're not even approaching nirvana. No, 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 not at all. I, I, I was using that as a phrase. Yeah. So in 1875, Congress had passed a far-reaching Civil Rights Act, which guaranteed equality for blacks in many areas. But the Supreme Court struck down this law in 1883. Another similar Civil Rights Act would not be passed until 81 years later, in 1964. So then, during that period of 1877 to 1950, more than 4,000 additional black people were lynched in 20 states, including at least 15 in Ohio, between 1877 and 1950. Imagine that. 15 well, people lynched in Ohio. A little, foot, a little footnote about uh, the Ku Klux Klan in Ohio in the, ninth, in the early 20th century, and that is that there were 50,000 members in the Klan in Ohio alone. Wow. It had, and Ohio had the largest chapter of the Ku Klux Klan in the entire United States. Wow. So it, was, it, was, it really was very... Um, uh, permeated through uh, the state of Ohio. And of course, that's where we were born. So um, just a little footnote in Ohio history Absolutely, right there. and that is a legacy which we need to realize, again, that we have this illusion that the white was, that the North was somehow virtuous and the South was 
evil, but in fact, as you just mentioned, this scourge of racism, the scourge of denying people the right to equal access to opportunity and uh, being able to think of themselves as first-class citizens was under attack really throughout the country. And so we need to really look in the mirror to examine where we are today in 2020. So anyway, the federal government actually also explicitly promoted segregation in many areas, including housing. For example, in the 1930s, the FHA initiated the practice of redlining. So that was the federal government initiated the practice of redlining or refusing to grant mortgages in black communities. But then things started to change, Steve. What was that all about? Well, um, one of the first substantial cracks in the legal wall of segregation, of course, uh, came in 1954 when the Supreme Court ruled in Board versus Brown versus Board of Education, where segregated public schools were declared unconstitutional. So one of the great cornerstones of separate but equal was removed. But then again, as we move forward, the octane that ran the automobile of education that had continues is money. And when the school districts were funded, you could see, and still such, that the poorer districts, which tend to be African-American, or uh, tended not to get the same allocation of funding that, you know, kept the school buildings up to, to par, uh, you know, educational materials current. And so, again, yes, it was declared, uh, segregation in school was declared unconstitutional, but it's the old saying, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And um, uh, we're still dealing with uh, unequal funding in a lot of uh, educational uh, institutions, particularly in the K through 12 arena. That's so true. Well, it's about time to close out our episode, but I wanted to read the last paragraph of an article that we will put in our show notes that sort of summarizes this whole discussion. It's uh, from a New York Times op-ed piece that was uh, written way, well, I don't know yet. But in any event, here is the P, here is the quote, and again, I'll, I'll reference this in the show notes. A straight line can be drawn from Colfax, Louisiana, and Crookshank, um, I'm not sure. Well, that's that was a U.S. Uh, Supreme Court definition or decision from um, not 1873. So a straight line can be drawn from Colfax, Louisiana, and Crookshank to the race riots in East St. Louis in 1917 and in Omaha, Chicago, and other cities two years later then to the abhorrent crimes committed in the 1921 Tulsa race massacre, to the criminal brutality unleashed on African-Americans in Selma and Birmingham, Alabama in the 1960s, then to the present day instances of police and white nationalist violence 
in Ferguson, Missouri, Charlottesville, Virginia, and now Kenosha, Wisconsin, then to the shameful plain-sighted attempts to suppress the black vote in the 2020 elections, lest we forget that white supremacy and racial injustice are still endemic in America. It's everywhere. We need to remember Colfax and the lasting harm it wrought. So Steve, I wanna thank you for your contribution, your participation in today's episode. Well, thank you too, Bill. And um, I leave uh, the listeners with uh, two words, uh, eternal vigilance. So true, and I leave them with two words, register and vote. Welcome to the 12th. Welcome to a politic, episode 12. Today, we're going to continue our discussion of principle number six. That is, that progressivism increases equity and opportunity for those who have been historically oppressed, particularly African Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, and women. The goal of this podcast is to encourage voter registration, and voter participation. We have an election coming up in November, and voter registration ends October 5th, so we have to get going. We have less than a month to go. The election is November 3rd, and you can start early voting in Ohio October 6th, the next day after registration closes. So we're looking forward to empowering you and encouraging you that you are the key to the future. We need you to look at the issues and become familiar so that when you vote, you're voting intelligently. We want to especially empower those who have never voted before, but we also want to talk to people who are interested in change interested in helping everyone to improve drastically. We want to see drastic improvement and progress. So thank you for joining us and we'll be joining our discussion in just a second. Thank you for joining us for episode 12 of A Politic. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll expect to see you again at our next time.